It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter, two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality, and one based in, what do you bet on Twitter, with music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks, here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett, Scotty Johnny himself. And with me, as per usual, I bring you Cheddar Talk, Aaron Bottom. Hey, John, what's going on, man? Uh, welcome to the edge of the abyss. We're almost there. We're, almost We're getting there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so this, uh, and not this Sunday, because even yeah. in Wisconsin, churches don't have... Uh, events on Super Bowl Sunday that go past noon, but uh, I am prepping for my first ever church chili cook-off next weekend, John, Ooh. Uh, on the 18th. Yeah. First Lutheran in uh, Yanesville. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to sh- show up, you know, pray to God for me, John, pray to God. Uh, yes. But, uh, that's who I pray to. So that's what I'm going to be doing during the abyss, John, just rolling around uh, Wisconsin, entering chili cook-offs at various, uh, Lutheran churches. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fabulous. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, again, for joining us for another wonderful week. Uh, we'd like to remind you that you can follow us on all the different social media websites. You can find the show just wherever you go. Just Mast- was we got Mastodon, Blue Sky, and X, Twitter, uh, and those are all just Scotty Johnny Pod. Uh, or you can follow uh, me, um, X, I'm not so humble host. Make it easy. It's up front. On uh, Blue Sky, I'm J.E. Barnett. And on Mastodon, I am Scotty Johnny. Aaron, how do people find you? Well, you can find me and threaten my life at uh, Cheddar Talk, <laughs> at Cheddar Talk, real life. Too much um, fun. So too much fun. That's where I'm at. I'd also like to point out, John, that uh, you know how you say all the usual uh, places to find us, like uh, Google and uh, uh Apple, blah, 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 whatever. We're also really easy to find on the iHeartMedia app. I don't know how many people use that, but uh, uh, a morning show that I used to reference that I was told I should not talk about because they're from Minnesota <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I do, do listen to them on the iHeartRadio app, and uh, a lot of people do. So it, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, the iHeartRadio app is free, and we pop up immediately if you put in Scotty Johnny. Like, oh. we're it's it's an easy find so if you've got the iheart if you want someone to hear us have them get on the iheart radio app if they have it and uh we're a super easy find scotty johnny pod so just just fyi iheart media is great because it does have all the badger games because um a, a lot of that doesn't actually show up on your serious xm app or whatever but the badger games are on iheart radio and also mm-hmm. that's how i listen to um uh bears and vikings post games and next yes. year I'll be listening to the Lions on there too. They're, they're <laughs> and also good. too, uh, I do believe that the NBA skirts um, uh, um, streaming laws, and I think you can listen to uh, the Bucks on. I'll, I'll have to double check on that. I know you can listen to the Timberwolves on iHeartMedia because they talk about it all the time on the station that I will not talk about because a friend of the show Pete said I should not talk about that station because it's a Minnesota station. Um, but they have, you can listen to the Timberwolves on iHeartRadio. And so I just assume the Bucks you can too, because that is also a iHeart media slash what formerly known as Clear, Sta- Clear Channel Station uh, that covers them in downtown Milwaukee. So, all right. And with that, we'll kick everything off here with the segment of our show that we like to call 
our main event. Starting things off with the main event. All right, so we spent last week guessing at defensive coordinator and talking about how they were taking their time and all this and then hired a guy the next day. We were uh, all so wrong. We were horribly wrong. This is a guy, and, and and Twitter immediately pointed out that none of us knew who this guy was. So we uh, our, our group our group text with Jim Widener pointed out that did we even talk? Nope. No. Absolutely, we did not. No. Uh, there were a couple odd places here and there that that actually had. Was it Winkler? I forget who it was. One of the Milwaukee guys actually yeah, had no, talked about it. Yeah, no, it was uh, uh, Winkler, definitely. Okay. Um, it wasn't Heller, I know that much, but it was one of those guys, yeah. So, And he said he'd forgotten he even mentioned it, but right. I, I don't know what well, to think about the hire. squirrel, John. Yeah, I don't know what to think about the hire. Um, the, my, I guess my first concern was that it was – there appeared to be little bits of the Nepo baby kind of not, – not entirely Nepo, but the – you know, incestuous, knowing each other things, but honestly, is, they have that, not that, coached that together. Co- that's that's coaching in the NFL, John. I yeah, mean, but they have not coached together. But he does, Halfley, Jeff Halfley. If you haven't heard the news, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, but Jeff Halfley is a guy who is part of the Shanahan bit, but in in an odd way, in that uh, he was there coaching defensive backs in San Francisco, and when they fired the last coaching staff, Shanahan said he wanted to keep him. He's the guy who said he wanted to keep on the staff. I believe he was the only guy they kept on that staff. Mm-hmm. So that does mean something. It's He's not one of Shanahan's boys. He is a guy who came in uh, on a staff, and then Shanahan kept him. He does have a, a bunch of other experience. He's also kind of on the Fangio tree, but he is a guy who's going to run a 4-3. Uh, what he primarily, for those of you know, that means that we're probably going to be putting Gary and Preston and Van Ness in a down lineman three you know three point stance and have them rush that outside and also stop the run if they can which will be an adventure <laughs> but it will be it will mean that we'll be going with I mean for good chunks because we run a regular four two nickel essentially we'll take mm-hmm. out another guy but we might have plays where we're running um, you know McDuffie and Quay. And um, Campbell, if Campbell's still in this team when the season starts, uh, which he might be because this draft is terrible for middle linebackers. Yeah. It is terrible for inside linebackers. So I guess we'll see what we do with that. It, as long as they can match up whatever that was, that was um, the fallout with him kind of towards the end of the season. He seemed not real happy at the end of the regular season. I think it got patched up by the playoffs, but I don't know. Yeah, Campbell was definitely unhappy, but... There's a lot of people unhappy. So this is going to be a whole different show. I, well, I personally prefer I, a 4-3. That's okay. me because I like having your linebackers be a little more free and trying to stop the run with linemen and and you know getting after it. And it, it does give you some interesting blitz options. If you're going to do a 3-4, you'd better find ways to be unique and multiple in how you blitz linebackers because you're going smaller. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do any of that. So we'll see what happens here. It'll be It's going to be an interesting transition. They also do make a change at linebackers coach because the linebackers will be very different. We essentially, you're going to love this, Aaron, because I don't know if you caught this a little bit. So the Packers bring in Anthony Campanile, all right, uh, from the Dolphins. He's been coaching linebackers with the Dolphins and is coming over. Uh, Got the it. Dolphins instead hired Joe Barry as their linebackers coach. 
So we fantastic. We for a second, him. for a second there, he was interviewing for the uh, uh, Bears defensive coordinator job. Correct. And I was really cheerleading for that one, but that mm-hmm. one I lost. Yeah, no, I was, I was with you. Uh, you were going to say something. I just wanted to make sure I got that in before you said something. But no, that's fantastic. No, I was going to back up what you were going to say too. And there's there's something to be said about continuity between uh, the nickel defense, which I mean, in the NFL these days, like. It used to be like I'm old enough to remember back then. Oh, they're going to change to a three-four from a four-three, and Aaron Campman loses his job because he can't play on his feet at the outside you know, position. Yeah, you know, because he was a hand in the ground kind of guy. Um, Nichols run over half the time now in the NFL, I believe, John. I, I don't think oh, yeah. that's any hyperbole. So, no. and Nickel has a, a four-man front. So why wouldn't you just want your base defense? which basically only plays on first down to be the same thing. And then you just rotate out one linebacker and rotate in one defensive back. You know, why would you want to change that? It, it only makes sense. Um, I don't think it's as big as a muscle movement as some people, oh, it's going to, whatever. You know, we're going to have, you know, Clark, uh, Kenny Clark's got to move over a little bit, you know. And, and I think it's probably better anyways because with the skill sets that, that – that Van Ness has, it'll help him out too because he's just. A that freak. is really what he played, so he could be the big right. side. And normally, when you run a, a four or three, you have a, a rush end, and then more of a, a large end. And you know, honestly, like Reggie White was more of the the like, the big end because he was a three hundred pound defensive end, which was even weird at the time. And when they ran with Campman, they still had guys like KGB on the far side, and he was the bigger end, so you could try to stop that that run play to that side, to their run heavy side, because most teams are, you know, right handed. Um, but still, oh my god, you brought up you brought up KGB too. KGB yeah. basically lost his job because the Packers went from a four three to a three four. Yeah, and then both him and Campman lost their jobs. Basically, when they went to a three-four, right? Yeah, because KGB wasn't going to get that kind of thing, and he kind of wore his welcome. Also, now he's crazy. Yeah, um, insane. But in, anyhow, insane person. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he had he had a nice run. Brother does a good job on uh, that one show uh, with <laughs> with the robots. Um, oh. <laughs> what, right. what are they called? The bo- robots that destroy each other. I can't they're like BattleBots or whatever. BattleBots. Yeah, his brother's brother does commentary on the BattleBots. Him and Mick Foley, uh, who is my who is my favorite my favorite wrestler of all time and i will fight you on that um but anyways uh no i think it's i think it's it's gonna be good i mean and, and like i said it's continuity why would you have a three-man front for i mean it just seems confusing like here we're gonna run a four-man front and this four-man front's gonna do the same thing in the base defense as basically what it's gonna do in the nickel as well except with some slight change-ups instead of entirely changing out how on third down when it's third and 12, how we did it when it was first and 10. It, it makes sense. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe maybe that's too simple of a take for me. I was never an, an offensive or I was never a defensive mind guy. I was always an offensive mind guy, but I think it kind of makes more sense, right? Am I, am I wrong? What I like, like I said, the, the one big problem is now in the NFL that nobody wants to stay base all that much. But the bigger thing that you can do to get your your – I guess your cornerbacks protected. First off, he's going to run way more press, which is going to be good because that's what we're built to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But he's also, I mean, like, if you can take this and get pressure on the quarterback, it makes your corners look better. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there's something to be said for getting your pass rush from from your edges and and, and having guys like that to, to cover those positions and then having a little bit of blitz here, there, and everywhere and, and kind of freeing it up. Like I said, if you're going to run a 3-4, you'd better be inventive with the way you blitz because it's the only reason you do that is uh, it, it gives you – more flexibility for the blitz, but it also kind of takes size off the the table to a small degree. Okay. Uh, I like I said, I'm bigger on three four. I, I'm more used to that idea and a lot of things that you know my my playing. But also, I just I personally just like the philosophy of it better mm-hmm. because it frees up your linebackers to do a lot of things behind the line and move downhill a little more effectively. If you're especially if you're playing a two gapping system with your guys up front. Uh, I mean, and you'll you'll switch that up as you go through the game, but nobody well, runs just straight base anymore because it doesn't work. Well, I would argue that giving our linebackers more freedom is actually a detriment. Um, they should probably be more sustained in what they need to do for their jobs because it, at times they look lost running around the back there. That's just me. I really think Campanile is going to be a giant boost for Quay more than anybody, though, yes. But go second ahead. point um, – yeah, base defense. Uh, yeah, Joe Barry stayed in that three four for about five minutes, and then he went into a shell defense for the rest of the game. So, what's the point? <laughs> anyway, so I mean, it wasn't any. It just. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing. The biggest thing that killed Joe Barry is he stayed base all the time, at, like almost at every point, and that's like I just said. Something you and, and, can't do and, in this league anymore. It's just something and, and, you can't do. And, and, and will this, and will this, I mean, sorry, I was, I was trying, I was making a really bad crack at like the 3 4 wasn't even being used at all, anyways, because Joe Barry didn't use it anyhow. Also, That's too, true, yeah. so, so, so wouldn't this also save on Kenny Clark? Because the one thing about 3 4 is that when you're in the middle guy there, you're absorbing triple teams. Basically. Yeah, you need a giant guy. That's why they went out immediately when they switched and said, we need that that smaller edge rusher who can switch outside in coverage. They get Clay Matthews, who was a four three linebacker in college, and mm-hmm. became a three four outside backer. And then they said we need BJ Rogers because you need a three hundred forty pound dude who can just eat that up. So so now so now you're I'm imagining you're going to have Wyatt and uh, Clark on the inside. One of the two is only going to get. And Slayton's going to rotate in because they're going to they're going right. to rotate those three a lot. Or I mean. I'm sure there's going to be points where they kick Kenny out to the D end and still run it with uh, one speed rusher and then Kenny being that run-stopping D end at times, too. There, there's there's options. Back, 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 back in the day of rigidity on the defensive line, I remember when they used to bring Reggie in to the inside, and yeah. he'd just create havoc. Because so he really could be a D tackle. You're correct, yeah. But, I mean, imagine that now. Now you have a four-man front. Kenny Clark is not going to get – Kenny Clark and Wyatt are not going to get triple teamed on every single play. Will Van Ness? Possibly. Will Gary? Definitely. You know, <laughs> or not, not triple team, but double team, you know. So, it's I mean, harder to only, double team the outside, yeah. There's only five offensive linemen and a one tight end. You know, four against four against six is a much better odds, you know, than, you know. And if that's what you want to create is pressure from the defensive line without help from the linebackers, that's what you have to do. And that's kind of the way they're moving anyhow with the bodies that they have. I mean, Wyatt, his freshman year, his, his rookie year, wasn't too impressive. He came around this year. That guy he really play. did. He, yeah, he came and, big and, this year. 
And like you said, Slayton, Slayton's good. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if to complement the linebackers that we have, the middle linebackers that we have, I think it'll be better because they're more cleanup linebackers anyways. Now, Quay can rush. We learned that this year. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him go more. It definitely can. Um, but I, I feel like they're much better in a cleanup role anyways because, it's, I mean, and, and also that frees them up for pass rush. They don't have to worry about run. It simplifies everything. Yeah. Three, four is complicated. Like there's a lot of moving parts. You have to know what you're doing. Four, three, four, two, nickel. It seems like it's a much easier, like less, there's less thinking involved to it. Yeah. And that's what you need on defense anyways, because de- defense is reactionary mm-hmm. to the offense. So, I, I, I mean, and please, quite at, honestly, at Cheddar, at Cheddar Talk, if you want to school me on, how my school of thought is stupid on this, but I I, I do believe I think I'm in the right. And quite honestly, Colby Wooden as an outside, you know, as a D end in a four yeah. three makes way more sense than him as a three four guy. It really does. Like him as yes. as the campman type uh, out there right. makes way more sense. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. The interesting thing is watching uh, all the people he's coached with because um, he's in Rutgers and then Tampa. Uh, which means he's a guy who's worked with Shiano. Uh, he was in Cleveland with Patton uh, and yeah, then Ohio State. He was at Ohio State in, in 2019, which you're like, oh, man, that was a great defense. You're like, right, but it was he, – he, he had Chase Young and, and Bosa, and he said, yeah, um, I don't care oh, who else like he the had. 49ers. It's a crazy, crazy college front. Uh, he did, yeah, coach with the 49ers. Uh, with no, some I'm of saying them, that so, yeah. sounds like the 49ers front. It does. It is. Yeah, uh, but he also did coach with the 49ers <laughs> before being the defensive coordinator and defensive back right coach for Ohio State. The, both Bosas went there. No, oh, but is that I don't remember. I think it's the San Francisco Bosa, not the Chargers Bosa, yeah. Whatever their grandpa was a mob boss, and they should all be in jail. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So Look it up. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to watch this going forward, but that's where we are making up for the fact that we did not once mention him. Uh, and just a heads up, uh, Truthy Joe Barry has now become Truthy Halfley on Twitter. Just, you know, just saying. Truth Serum <laughs> Joe Barry is now Truth Serum Jeff Halfley. Fantastic. Uh, looking um, over to the Bucks, who are actually playing games now, though. So let's just that. They and are not well. Not but they are. currently well. They did beat the they did beat the Mavericks in impressive fa- fashion the other night though so I mean it's there. Yeah, it was that was a very interesting. I think just um, that game was interesting. I, I thought it was interesting, and and the biggest thing is Dame really. And I, I understand that there were forty eight points for for Giannis, and they took him out with like two minutes left. I want to let him get fifty. Come on, uh, but still not forty nine. No, not fifty one. Get fifty. But 50. Yeah. And he was shooting well on the free throws late because they, they did follow him a lot late. So he was putting up points on that free throw line as well, doing very well there t- down the stretch. I think he made all of his fourth quarter free throws, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but like Dame they, hit Dame I, I, shots. I, 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 want them, I want them to start counting again when, he hit, when he's shooting free throws because I feel like when they count, he does better. Yeah. Because <laughs> that started sprouting up again on this West Coast trip here where they started counting to 10 when Giannis got the ball and he lets it go at nine and a half. And I swear to God, his free throw percentage is about 85 when they're counting because when it's silent, he misses all the time. Yeah. But anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Dame time. Yeah. Dame looked 
exactly like and like he hit some sh- he had a shot falling into the bench uh, uh, you know and just down that stretch there mm-hmm. and this team was down were they down 44 20 in the first quarter it was something ridiculous and then I'm one sure by 12 I, I had drilled this last weekend so yes it I was crazy um and that's the opposite of what they did with the jazz then because they were up and the jazz came back in the fourth and beat the bucks i mean the bucks came back in the second quarter and then held on for the third and they you know in the fourth they they got ahead they got back in it immediately by halftime they were back in it and then won the that second half but yeah good shooting all around there the defense you know the defense is changing obviously and they were talking about it that um doc has been putting in specifically new defensive setups different strategies mm-hmm. um they they changed their entire defense for what they were going to do for luca the day before the game, and then after things got out of control, they they just implemented it, and they said, oh, "Gosh, who was it? Who are they talking to? Was it? it well, I forget. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get the quote right or who said it, but they were talking like I've never seen anybody ever be able to put in a defense and then implement it a day later. It might have been Beasley saying that, and it's like, yeah, they and they went from a, a single high switch to double teaming him to making him pass, and they kind of took Luca out late." Like, he makes shots when he's really got to make a shot. Uh, but they, they wouldn't let him drive. They made him pass. And watching Luka in the middle of that defense is not impressive, I guess. But they, they did all right there. Um, went at the hoop. And uh, Dame made some incredible shots. It is a one and 3 stretch now. They're playing the Suns as we're recording. Uh, just so everyone, you know, full disclosure, as they say. But one and 3 I'm not initially concerned. Uh, it bears watching, obviously. But they're implementing new defenses, and they're focusing on the defenses, which has been what Doc Rivers has been particularly good at. And the players seem to have bought in immediately, even though they've gone one and three. Because we also mentioned last week, very specifically, it doesn't. this is a weird time to make a coaching change because they immediately went on a five-game West Coast road trip. Right. So... I mean, and, and they're bad on the road. And, and Giannis is well known for not being away, not liking being away from home. <laughs> Coming so, into the game against the Suns, they're twelve and twelve on the road, I believe. And, and so I mean, it's like, and, yeah. And so and so they and so they, the the beginning of that too was last Monday. They lost to the Nuggets in a very close game. I mean, that was a great game. The the one thirteen one oh seven. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you talked about it after me and Jim left. But uh, the the Trailblazers game game that was weird. Um, that game just felt weird all around. Um, Holly had to file a report with me for the Bucks game on Saturday night uh, when they <laughs> beat the Mavericks because she has now become a super fan. But uh, her biggest takeaway from that is that Doncic is a giant whiner, which checks out for Croatian players. Um, and then, they were uh, they were mugging him around. I mean, like nothing dirty, but they were they were in his face constantly. They went straight to the double team by the elbow immediately. Yeah. He had nowhere to go. Joker complains a lot too, and that's kind of mm-hmm. underreported. And then yeah. the Jazz game uh, on Sunday, I, I did see that. I mean, the Jazz <clears throat> for a team that's not in the East really has the Bucks number. I've noticed mm-hmm. over over the years. So in a forty to thirteen fourth quarter, I mean, that doesn't happen to this team or to any team. Yeah, that, it's that, the prohibition. That, it gets them. Yeah, that's, no. that uh, <laughs> that uh, that falling apart at the end of the game was um, unbelievable. Like I didn't even know how to speak to that one. But uh, and and now they're yeah. down in uh, now they're down in uh, Arizona, Phoenix, yeah. take, taking on the Suns. They're up thirty nine, thirty four, 
mid or almost at uh, half time, four minutes, five just, minutes. Just turned to 42.36 bucks. But I'm really left. looking yeah. forward to uh, Thursday night's game uh, against the uh, the Wolves, uh, up and coming Timberwolves, who somehow this is not a TNT game with the number two team in the East versus the number one team in the West. But anyways, so number um, three team in the East right now. Currently, three, sorry, the Bucks are three and have this. There's there there are no games back, but they've played two more and won one lost one. So they have a worse uh, winning percentage than Cleveland. Who has been on a tear? Uh, won six straight, and I think it's twelve of the last fifteen. Uh, it's a bad time to have slowed up, I guess, because Cleveland is surging. Uh, the Pacers, after being big time talking about themselves, there are, are third in their own division now. So, <laughs> so I guess I guess John, after a couple of years of um, success with the Bucks. We can we can talk about the playoff record and stuff like that. Um, I guess I just have to say, um, wait till the end of March and get back to me then. So whatever. Well, we'll I think that this happens. this gives it extra credence to wait because uh, Doc is implement like this wasn't a coaching change where they just need a different rah rah guy to do the same thing. They specifically brought in Doc to do something different. Mm-hmm. They said we're winning, but we're we look terrible doing it and this won't work in the playoffs you know the the zero defense feel that they had the high scoring i mean like they were a high scoring team still and they still got the talent to do whatever they're going to do but i think they're locking down as to who they're going to be defensively and then count on rolling back in the offense when they need to uh and i think that that's kind of what we're looking at here so i'm not as worried yet but i will be watching and also, and also a, a team that was, honestly, like when they won the championship, was one of the youngest teams in the league. Just to, three years later, is now one of the oldest teams in the league. Um, you bring yeah. in uh, a veteran. You, you get rid of your best. <coughs> defensive guard, yeah. You lose your best defensive guard who can't shoot, and now you have a guy who can shoot but can't guard, um, who's also one of the top 75 players of all time as voted on by everybody else. Dame Lillard, there's no question about him. He's amazing. He's all pro. Um, and then, but you're running it back with some people. There's some changes. And you need some big boy decisions to be made. You know, like mm-hmm. Phil Jackson decisions, right? You know, there's Phil Jackson. That would have been the perfect hire. Phil Jackson was 10 years younger if they could have rolled Phil Jackson and take care of this team. Because now there's egos. There's problems with who's the second fiddle who's the third fiddle um who's playing bass um who's <laughs> sitting on the bench you know i'm sure robin lopez wasn't real wild about some of these games where he was a dnp i mean because there's other teams he could probably be playing on you know and getting minutes because that's why you know they get paid and they oh, paid. why would you care no i'm a basketball player let me play basketball and so there's egos to be managed when you got a young team it's it's not hard. Just ask Matt Lafleur. Yeah, the big ego was gone, and this year was a cakewalk for him, man. You know, yeah. with everything know else that. that happened, right? Like, it oh dear, like, me. oh, this is great. I don't have to deal with that thing, and along with everything else, I just have to answer the questions and be a coach. And but this this team is dangerously getting close to the end of about a five year window. They're on year three of five, and something has to happen. 
and you have to have some big boy pants come in and take over someone who's been in the league, someone who's been around, someone who's won a championship, someone who's had to deal with Kevin F-bomb Bar- Garnett. I almost said Barnett. Sorry. I know. Kevin F-bomb Garnett out in in uh, Boston, along with Paul Pierce, and he can do it. He can yeah. deal with these people. He's been beat around. I mean, this is this is a coach we needed. It's going to take a little time. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, and then Kevin Garnett curses way more frequently than Kevin Barnett, recent Kansas University Law School graduate, uh, working, Fantastic. I believe, in New Mexico or Arizona at this point. My little cousin. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that that's. This, those are all good points, and we should point out today too. Also, the Bucks are up seven right now against Arizona in Arizona. Dame is out, resting up. They didn't find anything wrong. MRI is negative to everything, but he's resting. Dame's out. Also, Brooke is out. So we got Connington and, and other Lopez, Robin Lopez. You know, starting this game. So that's you know, fantastic. There, there's there is some depth there still, um, but it it is still. A bit older depth, but I'll have to say this too: there, there, the Lopez some... Brothers uh, State Farm uh, is, is that commercial's the best State Farm commercial. Yeah. It is. It is hundred uh, percent. No, there was a little just bit, barely uh... ahead of. Now, t- t- tell me again with those nuggies. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> there was there was some consternation on Twitter uh, about the fact that the that uh, Doc decided to run out Connington and Robin Lopez rather than sending out, like, Marjan and some of the kids oh. to see what they can do. So, Well, they better get their I mean, time here. I mean, yeah. and, and that's kind of the problem, too. Like, you know, and we always we always teased about this on here. Like, Giannis would never have made it in this league if Jason Kidd wasn't his head coach for his first five years because Bud would have never played him. And yeah. that's not – sadly, this is not Doc Rivers' job to find out how good the kids are. Yeah, he's his, he's chasing his own his, legacy his, too. His his job is to win and win a championship, mm-hmm. and that sucks. Although I although although I was unless he wins a championship, right? <laughs> if he wins a championship, but I mean, this team is and, and Giannis isn't in a place right now to sit around and wait for development of of kids either. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So and it sucks because AJ Green and Marjan and others, you know, we there's some actual good young talent, and it's just. It's such a, you know, after not winning the championship in 2019, bubble year, winning it in 2022, and then messing it up in the playoffs. I mean, the Bucks should have won three out of the last five championships, and they didn't. They yeah. only won one. And the yeah. pressure's on. And the pressure's on Giannis. And Giannis only has about three more years of being able to do what he does. So. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. No, no. I'm saying what, doing what he does now. What his game evolves into, God, yeah, we'll I don't see. know. Who knows? But you know, there's, there's got, there's got to be. They got to feel that pressure in the building, man. Like, yeah, I, I think this team, as it was with Coach Bud, it feels like there should have been at least one more championship. Because, true. No, that's exactly true. That's the reason he's not <laughs> in the building anymore. Is he mm-hmm. should have won at least one more. All right. Uh, we like you said, we got. Minnesota coming up. That should be an interesting game and should tell us a lot more. They'll be able to come back home for that one at least and get rid of this uh, this road trip here. And we'll talk more about the Suns game when it's over and we're back next week. 
staying in Milwaukee, though, we had Marquette playing one game. I think we've got our last time of seeing uh, two two top ten teams because Wisconsin had a rough week. But Marquette, uh, they get to play Georgetown, and they got ahead by double digits early and stayed there. They were up 44-22 at half. They doubled up Georgetown at half and then messed around for the rest of the game because it didn't matter. That game was over. Uh, and they learned a little bit because they let Villanova back in a game that they were way up on and let them back in but managed to win barely. Uh, and then they, you know, they, they got Georgetown, Georgetown down. They can't talk to saying things like that. But they got Georgetown on the ropes and then just put them away quickly. I guess the one thing I get is like I would still like to see Igadaro being more of this offense, uh, and I get that they they double him down low a lot, and he is their only major height. Mitchell is on there. Joplin does some down there and helps out. Um, Gold Ben Gold is just I don't know. He I mean like he plays 18 minutes against Georgetown in a game they murdered them and gets two points. My. This is this has got to be the year for Marquette. They've got to get, you know, Final Four or whatever they're going to get out of this. They got to push it as hard as they can because these guys aren't coming back. A lot of them. I'd be surprised if they do. Kolick is showing that he's a fantastic guard who can score and facilitate. Um, we're seeing a lot out of Cam Jones. I mean, he puts up 31 in this game against Georgetown here, and uh, Mitchell we've known for years. But behind that, I mean, they go deep on the bench this game. Because they, they can. They get Ross and Lowry and, and Norman into double, double digits. But none of them do almost anything. I mean, they only get uh, 10 total points off the bench. And they're going, I'm just trying to see, they got nine deep on the bench. Nine deep there that they played. And they normally have not this year, which is different than the way they've played the last two years under Shaka. But this one has just not been – it's been a different feeling year. They're definitely leaning heavily on the, the, the older class there. And it was such a good class. Uh, and I don't know – I guess maybe I just don't know what's behind them at this point. I know Gold is not the next Iguodaro because he can shoot some threes every now and then. Uh, but, man, I, I just I don't see him do it on defense. I don't see him do it anywhere else. And in a game where they were just walking away and everybody's putting up points, he he couldn't do anything there. So it doesn't mean anything this year, right? The biggest thing is, like, they've got great guards, which bodes very well for them in the tournament because uh, Mitchell and Kolick and Jones uh, are going to have some great guard play, and guard play is way bigger in the tournament. Uh, and, you know, they still got some good rebounding, although, you know, the height thing is the thing that always gets them. They're still hanging out at second place in the East at this point. Uh, UConn is 11-1 and in conference. That's hard to be. I mean, to be clear, the team that just beat up 91-57 to is 1-9 in the Big East and 8-13 and overall. So there's not much to draw from this game. They got, you know, they got UConn coming up. That's going to be, that's going to be huge. And that's going to be an interesting game. I'm just trying to see if that one's... Uh, that one's going to come up on the 17th, so right after Valentine's Day. Uh, that's what Wednesday, their Saturday game on Fox uh, against number one UConn in UConn. Uh, so that'll be an interesting game there. We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, meanwhile, I don't know if you caught much of the Badger games. These were This was a, a rough week for Wisconsin no, sir. basketball. 
Well, I mean, I know that they lost to Purdue. That was that was kind of all over ESPN, but yes. That was a good game, though. That's, I guess, the big the big difference on that is that was a really good game. The um, the hard one is the Nebraska game, and I guess that there's a lot to be said. They're on the road. Road games are always hard. We've talked about this a couple times. Uh, road games are always hard. Nebraska got out big early. Wisconsin came, or sorry, Wisconsin got out big early and had, you know, at one point there, 97.8% chance they're going to win. They're up 47-29 uh, early in the second half. All right? It's just like, all right, that game should have been done. Uh, and the fact that Nebraska fought all the way back and tied it up uh, with 8.44 left in the game is, I mean, it's an 18-point deficit that came back and beat Wisconsin at home. Stormed the court, which they should, because, you know, they don't win a lot. They This is the f- second time in their team's entire history they've beaten two top ten teams, I guess. So, uh, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that was a great game. They were hitting a lot of shots. They were doing a great job. Nebraska in the second half was hitting contested shot after contested shot. Th- there weren't easy shots, but they were they were making them. They were making their shots, and there's not much more you can say about a team other than you know they did exactly what they needed to do, and they're sixth in the Big Ten right now, so they're actually having a very good season. Nebraska ball is uh, is alive and well. This is one of the better teams we've seen them have, and of course, they have Fred Hoiberg, uh, NBA former player uh, Fred Hoiberg. On there, and I believe it's his son, uh, who's the uh, Sam Hoiberg. He didn't do all their big scoring, but he was very much involved. Uh, birthplace Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, he's number one, and yeah, I mean, like they have, they do have some talent. They have some talented guard play out there, uh, for sure. And uh, I try to think the other guy who who had a lot of big shots in this one. Uh, I think Bryce Williams had a nice game. Mast uh, came in the second half and was making three-point shots and, and, and putting down some plays. That dude is from the Netherlands. So, I mean, they're pulling from all over. Uh, yeah, they had they had some guys make some really nice big plays, and they came back and they believed in theirs, themselves and that team, and they, you know, they made all the shots. Wisconsin played pretty well but had some sloppy play down the stretch, and that puts them in a bad spot right now. So... Wisconsin's got some work to do getting ready for the rest of the season, but they're past Purdue again. So they'll get a chance to get on a little bit of a roll. Um, hopefully again, get back and get some home games. Uh, just trying to find where the schedule is here, but yeah. Um, so Wisconsin this coming week, will have uh, Michigan who's terrible and they should beat Michigan on the seventh. And then they'll have a game against Rutgers on the 10th. Those are both road games, but they should be both of those. And the next big test will be Iowa's always passkey, especially on the road. They'll have Illinois at home and then Purdue at Purdue. They played them really well. They really did. And it's surprising. If they had played the second half against Nebraska the way they played Purdue, they'd, they'd have won. Uh, the one thing that really frustrated me about the second half against uh, Nebraska is Wisconsin kept going in. Carl didn't almost take any shots. I think he was 0 for 1. 
Uh, I can confirm that, obviously, but uh, just in watching it, he was not taking shots. They were immediate double teams, and he was kicking out for most of the game, and they were hitting a bunch of open shots. Uh, then Storr got in some foul trouble. That made it harder, but then they kind of just stopped going inside after it started getting close again, and that was the thing that was just really, really working. You know, Kral finished over two total, one for two in the uh, free throws. Uh, but I mean, like he was kicking out and, and setting up the offense by, by getting other things going. And it, it seems like they just stopped going inside in the back half of the second half. And it, it really stopped the defense or the offense from doing what, what they can do. And that was frustrating to watch on, on my end, but either way, um, better games coming up here. Badgers still look confident and strong against Purdue. They just need to, you know, tweak things and make those things work. Uh, I guess that that's really all we have in terms of major sports. Uh, I guess other than uh, the last thing we can say in the main event is I, I don't think they got enough for Corbin Burns, Aaron. And I know you, you know, just, just, our, um, our I've, actually, I've actually come around on it a little bit. Uh, okay. So Drew and KB, I mean, a, a Homer's uh, extraordinaire uh, on the game in Milwaukee, but KB brought up a good point too. And that was, you know, here's two people that are, MLB ready, yeah, you know, yeah. They're 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 good, and um, picks. They'll get some picks out of it, but I don't know what that even so, means. And, yeah, and so it, at first I was just I was I was a little irate by like the return because you'd think it like you'd get a, a a name you know, and then you stop and think like oh I don't watch baseball like I did when I was eighteen years old, and they're like maybe these people are people that are good, <laughs> and and so they're major league ready, um the one kid could probably start at second base right away. Um, Saying one, maybe we get him to short or maybe we move Terang to short and then is Adamus gone? Well, and, and I know there's chain effect there too. So, yeah. I mean, we'll we see. still need, a, we still need a third baseman. Like there, yeah. we have there, there's no answer at third base right now, Not really. but, uh, and then the other at the other kid, left-handed pitcher coming in, like ready to go. Um, Quite honestly, if Adamus is playing third, I don't feel so bad about him swinging out of his shoes all the time. Well, yeah, you know you're not you're not wrong. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take I'll take two I'll take two twenty on on his heels all day long, um, trying to jack it down the left field line. Um, but th- there was a thought process that I had, like a lot of people did, like, well, wait till the mid, you know, wait till the trade deadline. Well. That's problematic in two senses. If your team's good enough to make the playoffs, are you going to really trade him? And now you're at a zero earn with him. Like you're going to ride him for the season and get nothing. Yeah, and so, and I, I've talked so, to some so, people we so, trust, uh, some so, of whom you know as well. And there, yeah. I was like, I'm kind of torn because my thought is like, there's two economic ways of looking at that trade and say. Mm. If we trade him at the deadline, there's more desperation. Maybe you get more. But also, if you trade him at the deadline. You, you've taken away a good chunk of the season. They, I mean, like you're trading him for a full season now, as right. opposed well, that, to the last bit. So too. it changes the actual value. And I was like, which one matters more? And the people I've talked to who we trust were like, no, no, no. You probably get less at the deadline. I was like, well, okay. Even, even if you do, even if you do, if you're, if, if for some reason this team is doing well at the deadline, are you going to be a seller when you should be a buyer? Like just out of nowhere, so that's problematic. <laughs> that would probably hurt us more if, if like the, yeah, the, it'd be like the hater thing. Like we're up by ten games. Hey, let's get rid of Burns now. And you're like, oh, right. yes, yes, yes. That's so true. as you stop, 
as you stop being certain, stop to stop and start to think about it. Like, you know, is this Brewers team going to be good this year? We don't know. Um, it looks promising outside of third base uh, with everybody yeah. except for Burns. Um, we're not going to be able to afford Burns next year because the 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 have the haves will come in and take him at the end of the season. So you want to get something out of it now. Say you you stink, which this team doesn't look like they're going to stink. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, Trio is going to be here this year finally. Freilich's going to be playing. going to be playing like Yelich has been doing better. We yeah. actually have a real first baseman, you know, and a and, yeah. and a rotation that is good. You know, the Brewers have been building up this rotation, and the, and the left hander that they got for him, it is not bad. Like, and he could be good going forward. So. As as someone as, as it was explained to me by you know Drew and KB and others, and then I came to it in my own head, if you're going to get any money, if you're going to get anything for Corbin Burns during the offseason, this is what you're going to get. And and also too, what happens if he tears his <laughs> tears something in his arm? Because also like was brought up on Drew and KB, KB uh, Drew Olson, who is on Drew and KB out of Milwaukee, he's one of the official scorekeepers for the Brewers. And he has been covering them uh, for 30 years in the, or used to, I'm not sure if he's in the Journal Sentinel anymore, but his saying is there's two kinds of pitchers. Those have blown out their arms and those who are going to blow out their arms. (laughs) And it's like, do you really want to gamble on him blowing out his arm and having to have Tommy John surgery and then getting nothing there too? So, you know, once, and that's the initial reaction hate denial and then all of a sudden you're just like yeah i I guess you know it's 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 just a very logical decision like logical decisions are hard to accept up front the couple things i've seen you you want you want the best thing ever it's like oh my god they're gonna give us they're gonna give us aaron (laughs) judge for corbin burns no that was never gonna happen no i love so twitter trades are the best (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I love the trade generators like this trade checks out and it's like no 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 person would ever do that like why and so uh yeah i mean and they're gonna get a couple others for it so i'm i'm actually once the shock wore off i was like eh you know yeah. okay what i love and there's been a lot of football ones now that the season's basically over and they're talking about the trade and and the draft and all that um I, I have massively enjoyed, it's, I guess, the the ideas of draft trades and stuff that people are proposing. But it is frustrating that ESPN puts them out there and, and sends you this, the push notifications on your phone. They're like, uh, Vikings trade Justin Jefferson and number 25 pick for, and you're like, what? That's dumb. Why would they ever do that? And they're like, for you know value in trade proposed by Colin Cowherd. You're like, why would you do this to me? Like, why would anybody? You can't do that. And this is dumb. Why would nobody would ever trade? Why Justin do you Nixon? have push notifications on from ESPN, John? Uh, mostly to see start times on things. We we need to have a sit down talk. Sometimes I don't forum. know what time it is, and not, I need the, the push not, notification not when when our events are I'll, starting. I'll, I'll, need, I'll need your wife there and some other friends. You don't need ESPN <laughs> push notifications. Okay. Just I don't need most of what I have, but. I, I, mean, I enjoy it. I, I might drink a little bit too much, but you have ESPN push notifications. I've 
I still have to turn off Duolingo push notifications for crying out loud. So let's let's talk yes, about that because first. ESPN is Colin Coward just proposed a trade on his show. It makes Colin me mad. Coward sucks. He is the worst of all of them. It's and the worst part even... is, is like the reason why is it, I have it set. ESPN only gives me things like, oh, a trade or oh, Packers news. So I get you know because you can direct the types of things you want out of there, but they treated that like it was a trade news and it's not trade news it's I, fake news it, it, it would it's never terrible happen stuff. and i'm sure that there's a podcast out there somewhere but it's it should be a podcast or a uh, a syndicated show of all the things that colin coward has said wrong and needs to apologize for and never will ah, yeah i mean that's his bit so i mean even even i mean all right well let's let's get dan, into the dan, dan patrick has always gone back and apologize for everything he's wrong about. Well, and that's what... Or argued why he thought. Quite honestly, that's, that's what, what I like is you and I always try to go back and point out when we were wrong. We don't wait for, you know, the Twitter people to tell us wrong. I was like, I was wrong on this. Like, 100%. I was wrong on Josh Allen. I didn't think he'd be as good as he is. I was wrong well, on a lot of different just things. Just earlier but... in the show, we were talking about uh, uh, Bailiff. What? <laughs> oh no, that's Jeffrey Bailiff from uh, uh, Game of Thrones, Littlefinger. What's oh. our new defensive coordinator's name? Halfley. Yeah, Halfley. we mentioned we didn't even talk yeah, about Halfley. him. Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously, I don't even know who the guy is. I like to go with uh, with Bailiff. honesty as as the big point of our show. That uh, what was Littlefinger's name on that show? It was a. It wasn't. It was. A it was, was no. I'll think of it later. Never mind. Uh, All right. This is a good point to cut off the main event and then move on to the segment of our show that we lovingly call our last call. Time to look around and get your bearings. It's time for the last call. It was Baelish. Baelish was the name. We looked it up in our little break here. But anyhow, um, so first thing we're going to start off with is wrestling. Because we got a little bit of wrestling news. Wisconsin bounces back after a couple tough dual meets here. They beat Northwestern uh, 30. Well, let's see. Final score was actually 30 to 12. Uh, that's, that's a good win. So they get wins at 125 from Eric Barnett, 133 from uh, Nicolas Rivera, uh, 141 from Zan Fugit. I do be careful about saying that one. Fugit. Uh, 149, Joseph Zargo gets the win. Dean Hamidi at 165. Max Maylor at 174. Shane Legal at 184. All of them get their wins. Wisconsin gets a 30-12 win over Northwestern. And then come back, and they beat the Boilermakers 24-15. Barnett, number two-ranked Barnett versus number one-ranked Ramos at 125 in this one. Ramos, uh, Matt Ramos gets the four to one decision to get that win, but that's a good match for Barnett uh, on the road. Uh, Rivera, Zargo, Hamidi, Maylor, Legal, and then also Gannon Rosenfeld uh, at uh, 285 all get wins, and uh, Wisconsin ends up getting ahead here. They were trailing, they didn't actually have a lead till Dean Hamidi at 165. Uh, got them the fall to take them from down 6-9 to up 12-9, and then Wisconsin held on from there to win that one. So Wisconsin gets two quick wins in wrestling, and that that helps them out a little bit here. They will then go to uh, Illinois uh, at home again, finally. They'll have Illinois at home, and then they'll go to a rough finish of the year. 
at Minnesota, at Iowa, at Northern Iowa. So that'll be the way this season ends before they head off to the Big Ten Championships March 9th. Uh, in D3 wrestling, just so we have this all here. Uh, right now, UW-Lacrosse is the third-ranked team in D3 wrestling. Uh, behind them, UW-Eau Claire, number six overall. UW-Whitewater is 11th overall. Uh, so very good standings for Wisconsin schools here uh, in the wrestling well, in the wrestling world right now for D3. Uh, moving on to some a little bit of D3 hoops. Uh, right now, Platteville, uh, UW-Platteville is the 12th-ranked team, the highest-ranked team in D3 from Wisconsin. Uh, a little ahead of that, just throw this out there. We talk about, about them a bunch, but the uh, St. Thomas Tommies are actually number four, which is surprising to me, one of my, my couple alma maters. Uh, further down the list, we have UW Oshkosh at 23 overall. And UW Lacrosse just fell out of the top 25, still receiving votes. They're the 29th ranked team. St. Norbert dropped from 23rd to 26th in the recent poll as well. UW Eau Claire also receiving votes uh, in the most recent D3 men's basketball polls. Um, in terms of, well, I guess I, I missed this in the wrestling. The only real scores we had for wrestling this last week was uh, lacrosse after the Eau Claire Don Parker Open. Lacrosse came out and played White or UW Platteville, beat them forty-nine to nothing. So that and they did that in Platteville. So that was interesting to watch there as well. Uh, moving on to hockey. So we had a little bit here. Uh, Wisconsin is hanging on both men's and women's top five programs, which is fantastic to see. So the men are number four overall. They're 20, uh, six and two. They welcomed Minnesota, who they swept earlier this year at uh, Mariucci. But Wisconsin men's team welcomed in Minnesota this weekend. They got to overtime in both games. All right. So Friday night they get they fight their way back to overtime after giving up an early goal. Then they give up the overtime goal in the three on three and get the loss uh, in that one. Saturday night they go. Uh, they they get up, Minnesota ties it, they go to overtime, nobody scores. According to the NCAA, that game is a tie. But for the Big Ten standings, that's a whole different thing. So they get technically uh, an overtime shootout win, which is a different amount of points then for this team uh, in the Big Ten standings. Right now, Wisconsin still... Number two in the Big Ten standings, they have 35 points. Michigan State up at 40 points, uh, 12-4-2-1-0-1. So that's wins, loss, ties, shootout, uh, overtime win, overtime loss. All right? All of them are different values. So that's that's kind of a confusing way of dealing with points. And, again, shootouts only matter in the Big Ten standings. They do not matter in the NCAA. Wisconsin has a better record overall than Michigan State. But Michigan State gets a split this weekend with Notre Dame and hangs on up top. Minnesota in third with 29 points. And then Notre Dame and then Michigan. Women's hockey this weekend. Wisconsin, uh, 24-4, and four, remains number two overall this week. Uh, so, again, uh, number four and number two. It's a great time to be watching Wisconsin hockey. Uh, the women's team uh, on the third, they played St. Cloud, and then the fourth place played St. Cloud. They get a 2-1 to one win against number 10 St. Cloud. 
And then they and that one was in overtime, but it'll still count as an NCAA win because it's an overtime win, not a shootout. Uh, and then Saturday, Sunday they bounced back. They beat uh, number ten St. Cloud uh, five to two. So right now, uh, obviously they're the number two ranked team overall. There is no Big Ten for women's hockey. They're the WCHA still, which does not exist in men's hockey anymore. Uh, but Wisconsin. Sadly sadly is second in the WCHA because the number one ranked team is still the 24 and two Ohio state Buckeyes, uh, in let's check out men's WIAC this last week, uh, starting on uh, Friday, we had, uh, a weekend where Stevens point got a two game set against Northland. They win two to one and then four to three, uh, river falls and Eau Claire played, uh, they have a tie, which River Falls won the shootout, but again, officially a tie, 2-2 two to two on Saturday after Eau Claire wins the first match in that one, 6 to nothing. Superior gets the win on Friday night, beating UW-Stout 4-1. to one. Stout bounced right back and beat Superior 1-0 in uh, Superior's building the very next day. Uh, in terms of overall standings, uh, Stevens Point... Cinto S. Westman Arena... John? Yes, I guess I mean that. You could be lying yes. to me, and I wouldn't know, I guess. You're no, it's, it's sneaky, true. very sneaky. Uh, UW-Stevens points uh, holding tight at number eight because you don't get points for, you know, beating Northland, I guess. Uh, even you played them up in Ashland. But uh, St. Norbert bounces back into the rankings this week, going from being unranked up to 12. And by the way, rankings start at 15 in D3 hockey. They, everyone else is just... Others receiving votes. Uh, UW-Eau Claire drops from 14 down to 15. So three teams in the top 15 for Wisconsin. Uh, and then yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hobart still holding on tight at 22 and 1 as the number one team receiving all first place votes. UW-River Falls women's hockey continues to dominate 23-0. and 23-0 and uh, continuing to play uh, this week. Sorry, Aaron, but they beat uh, Superior 5 nothing. Stevens Point beat Northland. Not surprising. Stevens Point swept Northland 2-1 uh, to one and 4-1 to one over the weekend. And that's how it lands here. River Falls versus Eau Claire this Wednesday, February 7th. That should be a good game. Eau Claire, number six in the country, 17-4. But again, River Falls 23-0. and 0. Uh, That should be a fantastic matchup there. Uh, in any other news we have, I don't see much else. I was looking at, we are about to start, will be the very first women's lacrosse uh, conference schedule in WIAC history. Uh, lacrosse will be playing Augsburg in Minneapolis coming up on February 23rd. Uh, I don't know how much we'll talk about it, but I, I love the idea. and I'm excited to see all of that get started. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun to see here coming up. Aaron, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrapped up the show today? I was going to say, you were just talking about lacrosse. Uh, lacrosse is BA. It um, is great. It's, well, it's, it's, the, it's the original American sport, too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the most American sport you could have. It's from here. Yeah. Um, that and basketball. Um, and hockey. And real football. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, yeah. I, had a frog, a frog, I had a frog in my throat there. Um, no, it's so uh, no, I was I like as as far as like football, you know, like any sport can only be king for so long. Like 
when our parents were kids, boxing was king, right? Or at least so, up there, yeah. That and baseball. Yeah, baseball and boxing, you know, and football was just a sport that, you know, that was, you know, especially with my grandpa, like he could give two hoots about uh, um, football. Um, my my I, grandmother, I, I, it was football. It was growing up, it was football for my grandmother because, you know, her, her dad worked for the Packers. So. Well, I know that. That's yeah, different. I mean, that that's a little bit different. Not, yeah. not all of us had that. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of hope that lacrosse is kind of the next one. I, I like lacrosse. It's fast moving. It still has contact with way less injuries. So it, it um, is fantastic. It's like running hockey with actually way more scoring. It, crazy scoring. Tons of scoring because. Yeah, but the weirdest awesome. thing is that NCAA women's lacrosse wears no pads and they wear a tiny little weird metal cage over their eyes, which is the weirdest right. thing you've ever seen. Uh, maybe yeah. not the weirdest thing you've ever seen because now we have the internet, but it's super strange. I was going to say, John, if you want to find some weird stuff, I've got addresses. But yeah, anyway. we've, yeah. But either way, it, it's super weird to look at, but also why, why aren't the women just playing the same game as the men? There's no reason there needs to be a different rule of, of lacrosse for women. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, they can play the exact same game. Let them hit each other. Well, like, I remember on. back when I was in college, shoot, cross-checking wasn't allowed. In, um, and that's, that was at the beginning of women's. When we went to college in 98, like UW Spear had a monster team because it was still intramurals. Like, and yeah. UW Spear was one of the first organized D3 teams. Duluth didn't even have a team. The core of what became the Duluth juggernaut over there across the bay was what UW Spear had when I was a freshman in, in, in college over at UW Spear. I just remember the whole thing was cross-checking was or checking wasn't allowed. Mm-hmm. Cross-checking was absolutely not allowed. Uh, I mean, cross-checking is not allowed anyways. But really anyhow, not. No. But, but, but um, checking, hand-checking uh, was even discouraged because – uh, female hockey players could be pregnant. Okay. And I right. remember, and I remember they all told me that too. That's why they couldn't play like the boys, and they had to like scale the game back. And it's like, no, like put pads on, dude. Like go, yeah. like Let's whatever. Go. Let's play. What I I'll tell you this one before we sign off here. But I loved one time when I, because as we know, I attended the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Go Eagles. Um, but one time I was sitting in Whitney, which is the, the large cafeteria where everybody gets their food. And I was sitting there eating lunch and, and, and looking out the window because there was the large field, which is now covered by a, a dormitory, I guess. But it was a coat field, and I could see some people loading stuff into a car just outside. And I looked down, and they were all loading up a bunch of lacrosse sticks. And I realized they had, like, the lacrosse club shirts and different things going on, and they were about to go off to a game. And I was like, wow, that... That's the lacrosse lacrosse team. Yeah. And that I made mean, me happy. The, the and I smiled that, to myself. The fact that lacrosse is not like the mecca of lacrosse <laughs> is really sad. There's a great lacrosse uh, statue on the least, edge of town. Mecca, at least Medina, you know. Medina. Yeah, nice. Medina. Nice. Sorry, sorry, I don't Medina, know how they but, say it, I suppose. <laughs> no, my, 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 yeah. No. So it, my, the, where my uh, uncle who currently or just passed away uh, not too long ago, um, he was he worked for the air work company he was an apiary uh one of the lead apiaries in the world um he uh lived in medina ohio and medina was supposed to be named mecca ohio <laughs> but there was already a mecca ohio so that's why i know the, mecca, the, mecca, the mecca medina thing outside of the bible stuff but nice yeah. 
All right, everybody, thank you for joining us for another wonderful week of Wisconsin sports. We always appreciate having you with us, whether you join us in Wisconsin, across the United States, or around the world. We're always grateful to have you with us, uh, a number of our fans here and around everywhere. But uh, please make sure to follow us on social media. Uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or anything we didn't cover or anything we got wrong. Just uh, let us know. But either oh, way... Hammer, hammer me. Just don't threaten my life. Yeah, just don't threaten our lives. Um, we had enough of that today. Uh, but either way, everybody, um, thank you for being with us. And remember that whether you are on the town or on the go, it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at ScottyJohnny1 or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening and on Wisconsin.